Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Today's episode of the Cultum Collective Podcast may contain... What do we mean may contain? It will contain. It's about misfits. You've been warned. again because you know, <laughs> after one episode back I disappeared again but that's okay all's well in the Bissett household now we're all well uh, not throwing up anymore you know um, today I'm flying solo something that Dave's used to doing something I'm not used to doing so expect the show to go to hell in a handbasket and of course the perfect topic to do that with is misfits uh, as you'll have heard at the beginning course language will abound because we're talking about misfits. So, yeah, if you're easily embarrassed or, you know, um, offended, then this is not the show for you. And neither is misfits. So, why are you here? <laughs> you just love our company, I know. Anyway, let's get down to it and uh, see who's joining us. Uh, he's just wondered, in. it's Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Hello, Benjamin. Hello, Ian. I can think of a couple of broadcasters I'd like to swear at. <laughs> nice to know the wigs are appropriate if I do so. <laughs> there you go. And you know I don't tend to swear on the radio. Ever. <laughs> <sighs> also joining us, and he's never been known to swear, never uttered a single curse word in his life, it's Mr. Dar Skeptical. How the fuck are you, sir? <laughs> oh, fucking awesome. <laughs> Ooh, this is quite liberating, isn't it? <laughs> it's like Torch Season 1! Yay! <laughs> 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 oh, and that hacking cough, I think, came from the voice of Holy Tea! Hello, yes, sorry. I took the wrong moment to take a mouthful of water there. <laughs> <laughs> and somebody I'm sure is embarrassed by the use of foul language, it's Mr. Randall Thor. Hello, hello. I'm not as offended as you might think. 
Right. Here he is. By the way, did you spot the bit where someone cycled into Tim Drury's head and never came out? <laughs> I just love that sound <laughs> clip. It's Mr. Tim Drury. Hello, Tim. Hello. <laughs> Tim isn't with us very long, so we've got to get on with it pretty quick. Cause, uh, for those of you who are unaware, Being Human, the UK version, of course, is back mm-hmm. on our screens starting tonight. So... And it's on the front the cover of this week's Radio Times, which may mean nothing to you if you're in America, but it, in this country that's pretty big news, particularly for a BBC Three program. Well, here in America, they're probably going to make us wait till the US version that's finished the first season before they could beat you in the slot. It's just, they seem to be acting like it should be a Saturday show. I'm betting we have to wait till June. <laughs> down, track down episode one of the Being Human US, and it's all right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I still love the UK version though. US skins got more controversy and higher ratings. <laughs> yeah, I have yet to see the the, the, the new version of uh, of being human. Um, so, yeah, I'll have to wait and see. <laughs> Comcast on I mean, demand not... has a nice quality, and I think oh. USA and Bravo have been repeating a lot this weekend. Okay, excellent. I shall have to catch it there. All right, I've been caught with my pants down, literally and figuratively. <clears throat> uh, I am without the cone tune. Oh, well. Uh, so, uh, uh, it's the manual cone today. I can just have to sing it. I can just have to sing it. I just erected a, <laughs> a cone. Uh, speaking of... Silence, you uh, fall. <laughs> and let's... <laughs> Dave, a quick comeback. Uh, please welcome under the cone today. It's Cybob and Willis Girl. Hello. Really, it's not normally like this. Well, Cybob is different. Yes, it is. It's always like this. All right, one one more person to introduce, and that's the typing monkey. Go, typing monkey, go. Thank you, Tim. All right, it's news time. And speaking of news, it's Mr. Tim Jury. Uh, yes, well, in in unofficially released news this week that was later confirmed, uh, something that's been rumoured turns out to be true. Red Dwarf is coming back. There are going to be six new episodes on Dave. That's the good news. The bad news is it's not till next year. And uh, it, it all broke uh, earlier in the week uh, when uh, Craig Charles was giving a radio interview, um, probably about something else entirely different. And apparently it got near the end of the interview and he was asked about Red Dwarf. And he said, oh, I'll just coming back next year. <laughs> and I had to backtrack a lot of this via Twitter because um, I, don't, I don't know if Craig Charles is on Twitter, but Robert Llewellyn is. And he was going, I didn't say anything, I didn't say anything. <laughs> and um, Doug, Naylor, Doug Naylor was saying, oh no, I didn't say anything either. And, um, so it broke in one of the papers, I think it may have been the Daily Mail, but um, I've put in chat there the story on sfx.co.uk. And, um, well, it, 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 hopefully it's it's going to be a return to the old style Red Dwarf, because um, the Back to Earth thing was a bit patchy. I, I, I don't think it was a total waste of time, but it was a bit patchy. And the other bit of uh, news that's broken uh, in the recent days is some casting news for the um, what has been described as 
the third and final Batman movie, or certainly the third and final one made by Christopher Nolan, and that's casting news for Bane and Catwoman. Uh, Catwoman will be played by Anne Hathaway, and Bane by I have to ch- Tom Hardy, uh, who appeared in another Christopher Nolan film, Inception. So, um, let's also come to us from sfx.co.uk, and the link is there in the chat. And, um, well, so it's all coming soon stuff this week, and uh, that's all from me. Alrighty. Moving swiftly on, it's Mr. Philando Farr. Yes, earlier this week on Friday, actually, there were some new details on a certain video game that is notor- that is infamous for the fact that it's a vaporware title, Duke Nukem Forever, originally announced back in 1997, and the decade plus since has been a vaporware title with no release date whatsoever, no confirmed platform, now officially has a confirmed release date. On May 3rd, the game will be released on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 here in North America, and May 6th, worldwide. That was announced in Game Informer magazine this past Thursday, this Friday, rather. So, there you go. Duke Nukem Forever is actually coming out just in a, just in a few months. So, the game that's taken, what, 13, 14 years will finally be released. And it's really odd thinking that the game is being released because for it's, the game is a vaporware title and it's actually coming out now. So, 14 years, it better be a damn great game. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's actually, uh, if, if, for those of you who have seen the trailer, I think I think that's what Duke says at the end. There's a, there's a voice that says, uh, So, Duke, how was the game? <laughs> he says, After, after this long, it's money better be. <laughs> But yes, uh, so I've actually been playing uh, Duke Nukem 3D this weekend, and uh, greatly looking forward to uh, it. Part of me doesn't really care whether it's a, a, a great game or not. Just as long as it captures the spirit of the original, then I'm I'm very happy. You know. well, think of it as the gap from Survival to Rose, or from Star Trek Enterprise to the next Star Trek TV show. Yeah. Sorry, future alert. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up for a news. I, I, so, oh, what? Oh, oh, oh. Howie, sorry. Where you go? Oh. Save the best for last. I did. Yeah, she paid me to say yeah. that. I'm back. Yay! Yay! And how is Cardiff treating you? Um, yeah, it's been alright so far. <laughs> Very wet and uh, um, a bit cold now. I've got no hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's quite sexy, actually. <laughs> it's, to, it's not anymore. You. It's grown, and it's now it's kind of fuzzy and a bit kind of skin-heavy, and I just look sort of punchy all the time. Mm. Is, it, is, it, is it still blonde? <clears throat> um, ish. Because it's growing out so fast, you can see my roots. It kind of looks a bit weird. Oh, the picture I saw, I thought, hmm. Mind you, I... I had a thing for Bold Perry from. Uh... <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> some 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 late news, Mr. Benjamin Elliott. Ah <laughs> oh, yes, uh, yes. And by the way, good to be back on the show. <laughs> that we've gone a couple weeks. Uh, now, last week, uh, Dave passed on some news for me that the 
Prime, the broadcaster in New Zealand, had now decided they they had never released the premiere date for Christmas Carol in New Zealand. Well, unfortunately, Prime had kind of ordered everyone who they had told the date to first. They there was no longer an official date. Second, they couldn't say when the news the official date would come out, but it's out now, and the official date is exactly when it was the first time they revealed it. Sunday, January 30th, 8.30 p.m. I really said that news out last week to try to make it easier for Paul Schoons and the New Zealand Doctor Who fan club because they'd gotten the press release from Prime the same way they had for over 10 years. And it seems a little unfair they're getting that heat when they just published the stuff as perfectly normal. And right. they, Prime started treating them like they were WikiLeaks. Uh, so, you know, anyway, next Sunday in New Zealand, you can see the Christmas episode that you probably downloaded a month ago because New Zealand didn't go simultaneous with the rest of us. In France, the Matt Smith episodes begin start of February on France 4 on Saturday evenings. And actually a little bit of ratings news because... I was paying attention this weekend. Everyone remembers Fringe because uh, Fox recently decided that Fringe, one of their sci-fi shows, got to move to Fridays at 9. Fridays at 9 being considered the depth zone time slot on Fox. And the ratings came out for the overnights, not counting the people tuning in later on DVRs. And Fringe got about 4.9 million viewers and a decent uh, share among young people. And 4.9 is what they got for most of the episodes on Thursdays during the fall. So Fringe really performed at or above what Fox wanted them to, at least this time, <laughs> which has to be good That's news for the rest will, of the season. Right, whether people so will hope, stick with the Friday slot or not. Well, we'll have to see. The big gun in that slot is CSI New York, and that show is on a repeat. But it's a start, and it was a good episode. <laughs> Uh, and also, import being human. Uh, sorry, remake being human. The premiere on Sci-Fi had about two million viewers on the premiere, plus more viewers later in the evening, which was pretty decent for Sci-Fi lately, since they don't haven't done a good job at launching shows. And not as good as the other remake that premiered that night, Skins. But then again, being human hasn't gotten Sci-Fi in trouble the way. Skins has MTV, so <laughs> judge however you want. It, is the lack of controversy a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> I agree. And just a few weeks to Gallifrey. Hope to see some of you guys there. Nope, not me, man. Not me. <laughs> so we'll I'm, raise, oh, we'll raise a glass in your honor. Is it going to have to be Tim and I representing the Coltham Collective? Mm. Yes. Yes. Yes, it'll have to be the two of well, you. Yep, you'll have to hold on we're, we're hoping to, to get somebody have a gathering. Apparently, there's a gathering of podcasters in the in the offing the night of the the Podshock meetup. So, one minute maybe we'll I can buy a cheap microphone. Hello there to Lewis and Ken. And uh, I'm, I'm bunking I, I, with a podcaster, so I did help. message Lewis a few days ago on Twitter and say it's a pity I won't be crossing paths with all three of you because uh, James can't make it because he's Money's having to be spent in different directions, but apparently they've they've started the Save James Norton's trip to Galley Fund already. Oh, and that's so, not the only one. If you listen to uh, 
where if we scarrow earlier today, uh, it sounds like Warren Fry won't be at the full convention because his, uh, he's got a new job, and so he can't commit the full time. Uh-huh. So that's another another podcast, and we'll be there in its full contingent. Alrighty. Okay, well, that about wraps it up for news. Uh, if you're going to be at Gelly, I want to. I'm not going to be, so maybe next year. One day, Dave and I will get there, we, we promise, at some point, before Dave dies. Anyway, <laughs> Anyway, um, there we have uh, some new people who have dropped into the uh, dropped into the room. Weinhogaga. Uh, anyway, I wish you people would spell things phonetically. <laughs> and Scardus ducked in and then ducked out again. Uh, but... Since uh, the question's being asked, and if somebody could uh, help out uh, Vine Hauga uh, in the chat, that would be great. Uh, but here is Andy. If you enjoy listening, why not join the collective and participate yourself? Or on TalkShoe, call ID 54821. Call in on 724-444-7444. This is a US number, area code 724, so do check your calling time before dialing in. If you have a zip client, you can call in for free on 66.212.134.192. Or you can connect in directly via the shoe phone client if you have TalkShoe Live installed. Looking forward to hearing you. Alrighty, uh, and to kind of kick things off, um, for those of you who are not familiar with Misfits and, and don't realize the importance of Misfits, it is the best drama series on British TV right now. And here's the proof. And the BAFTA for drama series goes to Misfits. Howard Overman, our wonderful writer, being ever the screenwriter that he is, has penned us a lovely speech, including stage direction. Look at this. Misfits has just unexpectedly won. Thanks, Howard. The cast and production team file onto the stage looking uncomfortable. Some of them are surprised by how bright the lights are. Fair enough. Robert is at the podium. Well, now that's a surprise. We generally didn't believe that the esteemed members of BAFTA would ever vote for a show that features myself having sex with an 82-year-old woman. (laughs) You know, it's a testament to everyone who worked on Misfits. They took such juvenile, depraved filth and crafted it into a show that's capable of winning the BAFTA for Best Series. And Clarkenman Films and the whole production team would like to thank Camilla Campbell, Robert Wolf Cochran and Angela Jane at E4 for commissioning the series. And they were wondering if now might be a good time to ask you how you'd feel about commissioning a third series. You don't have to tell us right now. Sleep on it. Thanks very much for listening. You're stars. And good night. Thanks a million. And for those of you who are blissfully unaware, uh, it has since been announced that Series 3 is being commissioned. So, hooray! More. Uh, so I guess we'll start at the beginning uh, with what the show is about. Uh, although, if you're listening to this, um, I'm wondering why you're tuning in to, to, to this show if you don't know what it's about. But, just, uh, I mean, the way I like to describe it is, uh, think about heroes uh, 
without all the beautiful people and without all the prim and proper language uh, set on an estate in England. Um, Bristol. Hmm? Is that in, is that in uh, Bristol? Bristol? Mm. Oh, all right. It's set in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I don't remember there ever being any city mentioned. No, it's not mentioned, but it's filmed in Bristol. Oh, it's filmed in Bristol. It's filmed Oi. in Bristol. <laughs> it's just across from there. Well, yeah. actually, it, it does take place in a... I mean, they have named the place, but it's not a real place. It's a fictional thing called Wortham. Wortham, yep. It's the Wortham Community Center, so... Yeah. I didn't know that. But yeah. So our, our introduction to all these characters and everything uh, starts off in, the, of course, the first episode... Um, when there's a freak storm and they get struck by what is apparently like lightning or anyway, they're all involved in the storm and they all end up having some kind of power. The deep south um, hailstorm, I believe. Yeah, hailstorm with lightning and yeah, um, and things take a nasty turn, of course, because their probation worker uh, also gains some powers and turns into a raving lunatic, uh, who they end up killing. And burying on the, the <laughs> flyover. Uh, Along with the other lad ends. that uh, he killed. Yes. Yes, uh, they, have a, they have a strange strange habit of killing off uh, their probation workers. <laughs> <laughs> now, my my introduction to this to this show came through uh, Darth. Uh, Darth had actually said to me, I think it was at the end of one of the shows. Um, Ian, there's a show you really gotta you really gotta watch. Just watch the first episode, and and you know, but be warned, you know, don't let Liam don't sit there with Liam and watch it, um, which I generally don't do, and you know, with anything, I always preview things before I send them to Liam, just as well. Um, and so it was Darth that got me on the Misfits, and since then I just you know can't get enough of it, and I especially can't get enough of Nathan, uh, but more about Nathan later. So, Darth, the big question, I suppose, is how did you stumble upon Misfits? I stumbled upon it because it's on E4, and I'm a big fan of stuff on E4 and Channel 4, for that matter, the two uh, networks being somewhat linked, um, because that's where you find a lot of the um, the shows that are up and coming, a lot of talent that's you know new talent that you've never heard about before, um, and it got a pretty big uh, press coverage on the E4 website uh, because the show has a life outside of just the television program. It had an active uh, Twitter campaign um, that was ongoing through Series 1 um, in, in which each one of the fictional characters in the program uh, would tweet regularly throughout the, the six weeks of the original um, series. And it was an interesting thing, and I thought I'd sort of follow it because I was like, well, that's... I mean, there have been tie-ins before. We've had, you know, Tardisodes on Doctor Who or whatever, but this seemed uh, a whole lot more immediate, a whole lot more interesting. There were going to be things that you could find out only by looking at the Twitter feed. Um, and uh, so that's sort of what drew me in. And then when I saw the first episode, I was done because it's, you know, such incredibly good writing. Uh, such um, naturalistic acting that um, 
you really can't help but, I think, be mesmerized um, or turned off entirely. I mean, in fairness, I think that there is a segment of the, the viewing population that will look at this thing and say, what in the hell is going on? Uh, but I think if you're you know, relatively disposed to hearing languages is actually used um, and you like things that have a sort of veneer of the supernatural about them, you'll be drawn in immediately. So that's how I started with it. Howley, uh, I know you're not all completely up to speed on, on, on Misfits, but uh, how did you stumble across it? Um. I actually completely ignored it when it was first on. I'm being a terrible telly snob and just a bunch of chats about something interesting. And I sound terrible. But then my best friend sort of watched it and raved about it, and I half thought, oh, you know, it's one of those things maybe at some point I might give a look to. And then over the last summer, between sort of finishing six months starting uni, I was left with about four months and nothing to do. So I sat down and watched the entirety of Series 1 in the space of a day just to fill in time and really enjoyed it. And I would have watched the whole of Series 2. But being at uni, I can only watch telly sort of on catch-up or if it sort of runs on the iPlayer and things. And so I think I missed a couple of episodes. So I kept thinking, oh, you know, I'll wait. I'll keep watching it linear. And then by the time I got round to it, they'd gone off the Channel 4 player. So I'm waiting for them to reappear so I can catch up again. So we're going to try and take this uh, season by season, and, uh, and once we hit the second season, we'll try and do it episode by episode. So then you can jump off when we uh, <laughs> enter spoiler territory. Yeah. Especially before we... Uh, did you watch the Christmas special? I didn't know. I didn't know oh. it was on. But, um... Oh. <laughs> that I want to talk about, definitely. <laughs> Stardust. Editing. How did you come across Misfits, and what kind of drew you into it? Well, uh, I'd have to blame the cult on this, actually. Uh, I heard uh, Ian mention that it was coming up. Uh, sorry, Dave. It wasn't just love Ian, beg your pardon. It was Dave who said it was coming up. I was like, um, what's going on here? So I just uh, see a quick wiki, and I saw that it was a Channel 4 program. And thankfully, unlike uh, BBC iPlayer, Channel 4 allowed their 4OD service to be um, accessed from the Republic of Ireland. So um, I went into 4OD, went to the Misfits section, and they have all of Series 1 online. So that's it. For for about four days, I kind of watched all the episodes and then went into Series 2. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And uh, what kind of kept you? I mean, what, I mean, after watching the first episode, what kind of kept you going with it? You know, what what um, made it a show you wanted to watch? Just it just you know, it, it twists that we've never seen before. I just it, it just it just does keep you guessing. It doesn't go down cliche routes. It 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 does its own thing. It it it, it twists. You don't quite see where it's gonna go. And what 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 they're going to do next? So you know, it 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 just keeps you guessing, and and that's that's good drama for me. Excellent. Right, Tim, uh, and I hope I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but you're the last person I expected to be into misfits. Um, I don't oh, know why. I've never met you, and but it just it just seems strange when you said, "Oh yeah, I'll be into that." I was like, "Wow." Well, I have 
if they stick with if if there's something culty or sci-fi coming up on British telly, I'll, I'll at least give it a go. Not necessarily everything, because you can't be on top of everything. But I, I I probably saw this trailed, or I'd read about it in SFX magazine, I should think, because they're very good at flagging stuff up before it starts. And I thought, hmm, seems seems a bit different. And I, and I and I watched it, and I thought, well, it, it, it makes a change to have a bunch of people who normally normally might be secondary characters because they're on some level baddies because they've been breaking the law brought to be the central characters of something and and uh, as the series one progresses you sort of gradually learn more about them and they're sort of their backstories and that and um, well, it, it's just a great watch because it, 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 it's a good bit of gripping suspenseful drama one minute and then you'll get some quip from Nathan and, <laughs> and you'll be laughing at it the next Okay, uh, well, welcome on to audio, uh, Willis Girl. Hi, I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yes, we can hear you. Oh, great, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so, how did you get into Misfits? Um, actually, I hadn't heard of it before I'm listening to this show, and I watched both seasons of it last week, and I really enjoyed it. So that's basically Excellent. how I got into it via this show. If you guys hadn't... Uh, discussed. I probably would not never had heard of it before. You got a lot of uh, a lot to answer for, Darth. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, so so after the first episode, what kind of kept you kept you watching? I mean, what uh, basically did you did you like about it that kept you watching? Into the Nathan, as the Nathan show. <laughs> yes, Nathan. Uh huh. Yes, you got to love Nathan. Okay, and somebody who's in the same boat as you, and that would be Mr. Mr. Randall Thor, Mike. Um, I, I know just from talking to you on, on Twitter that uh, you decided to kind of uh, get yourself uh, up to speed and, uh, and and watch some misfits over the past uh, two weeks. Uh, so I know how you got into it. Uh, <laughs> what what did you think first episode out? What what kind of kept you going on to the next one? Well, when I saw the first episode, I was immediately hooked. I mean, I was a, I remember I was a fan of Heroes when it, when that show was on NBC, and uh, this, you know, it was, this was sort of the same thing, you know, normal, well, more or less normal people, I guess, uh, with, who just suddenly have abilities and uh, learning how to deal with them, and it's, the humor in the show is one thing that kept me going, and just the variety of, the variety in the, in the group of main characters, the, the five-man band that, that they have, you've got a great variety. You've got, you've got Nathan as the comedic character. You've got Curtis as uh, sort of the more serious character that uh, looks into the more emotional side of things. You've got uh, Simon, or as, <laughs> as uh, Nathan likes to call him, Barry. <laughs> uh, you've got him as you know the the, the more the more uh, the one that nobody notices. And you, you, you've just got that variety of character types. And, the, and something else that kept me going on with it was how inventive the writers were with the, the abilities that they would introduce, and that just the I'd never seen or would never have thought of the, the types of, of abilities that, that we saw throughout the throughout the, the first two series, and something else that I something else that I liked were how well defined the story arcs were for the first for both series. 
Both of the first two series had their own well-defined story arc that kept me guessing as to how it would play out. And we'll, of course, get to those later on. But, yeah, those are some of the reasons that I kept watching uh, Misfits. Excellent. Okay, it's clip time. Try this then. That should do it. You killed a station worker. This is very, very bad. I feel sick. Oh, I would have killed us. We should call the police. It was self-defense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's right. Yeah, look. We show him the dead boy in the locker. They'll do some CSI shit and figure it all out. They won't believe on We just tell them the truth. We stick to our story. But what's that story? They can turn invisible and then you can turn about time. It doesn't matter what we tell them. They say we're lying. They say that we killed them both. No one's going to believe you. Not anymore. If there's no body, there's no crime. We should bury them under the flyover. Yeah? How do we do that? Someone's going to see us. No, 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 right? We give them a quick little... Right? We put them in those wheelchairs, we wheel them up there, and if anyone sees us, we're just a bunch of young offenders taking a couple of specials for a walk in the sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no matter what that meant. No matter what Nathan says, it just cracks me up. <laughs> it just brings up visions of weekend at Bernie's, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, and that's, that's the uh, what I think is the beauty about the show is the, the the comedic elements they're throwing in. You just and then you just caught off guard by you know them bludgeoning somebody to death because you know they found out something about them or or uh, Barry's doing something creepy. None of them are superheroes. Um, they've all got massive character flaws um, and secrets and. Yeah, they're they're all broken in some way, shape, or form, and it it makes for an interesting show. I'm trying to figure out the best way to do this. Uh, of course, episode one uh, tackles uh, the, the intro, and of course, the uh, burying uh, the, the the corpses of uh, one of the other guys who was on the on the probation with them and uh, their probation officer. Uh, episode two. Sorry. Yes, this is, uh, if, if anybody uh, was listening during the acceptance speech, uh, this is where Nathan falls for Ruth, uh, uh, a beautiful young volunteer who actually ends up being uh, one of the elderly people. And, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes, it's revealed that Ruth is actually an 82-year-old woman. <laughs> Thanks to the storm, uh, managed to become her young self again. Uh, yes. So, uh, I, I, I mean, I want to kind of go around the room and ask who everybody's favorite character is. I'm afraid I'm going to get the same answer from everybody. Um, but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lauren. Darth, because you, you you might actually give me a different answer. Sorry, I, I missed that. Were you talking yeah. to 
Oh, okay. Yes. Favorite, uh, favorite character? Uh, Probably Alicia. Um, <laughs> for for and and the reasons being, <laughs> because I think that her character has shown the most well-rounded portrait of an individual. Um, especially as we get into season two and you get all sorts of conflicting emotions that are going on there. But even in series one, you know, it, it's. Certainly, in in episode one, you can take a very superficial view of the character because that's the view that she has of herself. But you actually see her maturing and growing up, and you know, understanding that the sexuality that she once really thoroughly enjoyed has a a, a negative side for her as well, and she's very confused about that. And she actually turns out to be the one that's looking for the most genuine connections with people. Um, but aside from her, though, my favorite is is going to be the Gwyneth Keyworth character in um, in the Christmas special. Uh, she's just razor sharp, and I I certainly hope that she comes back. I mean, this has been the year for for Gwyneth Keyworth, obviously. You know, having been in uh, the Great Outdoors, which is a great little comedy, and then being in Sarah Jane Adventures, and then being now in in Misfits, she's portrayed three incredibly distinctive. Uh, personages and um i think she's just a fantastic actor and i think she'd be somebody to watch out for so yeah i like those two i'm i'm not actually that big a fan of of um the robert sheehan character of nathan uh, i i like him i like him for punctuation but he does get on the nerves for me a little bit it's it's there it's like the the fonzie phenomena um of early happy days when it, when Fonzie was in early happy days and it was just the occasional moment where he'd come in and he'd, he'd make a comedic punctuation and then leave. He was great. But then as you got on and he became, you know, the star of the show too much. And I, I, I'm a little bit, uh, especially in the Christmas special, I kind of thought a little bit too much, um, from him, but I mean, I, I get his appeal. I see why people would like him though. I mean, uh, the, the other thing about him too is uh, is the the fact that there's it's not just done for I mean yeah it's done for comedy but there's more to his character than just that there's a reason for his um, outward exterior uh, and and he plays yeah. that really really well uh, but yeah I think okay. that's one of the joys of the show is that virtually you can make a case for any one of the characters being your favorite because all of them are well-drawn characters um right. and and they they complement each other very well um you know one of the things that i think has been great has been um with with the alicia character is how she has consistently been basically the opposite of of uh the nathan character even to the christmas special where nathan is trying to say oh yeah these are my friends and she's just deliberately you're not my friend <laughs> no, you're, you never were. You're not going to be. It's never going to happen. You're an idiot. Um, and I like that. They're, they're, that they've taken the time to set up very complex uh, interrelations between all five characters so that whatever scene that you're in, you have a, a definite thing that's going on between the two characters that might be in that, or the three characters. And so it becomes you know, something that is absolutely ripe with... Uh, dramatic potential because they've taken the time to actually draw these characters very well. Yep. Excellent. Howie, 
your favorite yeah. character? Yeah, at risk of being very obvious, I personally really like Nathan, and not just because of the lovely accent and the floppy hair. <laughs> he's a fun character, I think. Yeah, he's sort of. Out of all of them, I think he's the one you could imagine actually being able to chat to for a bit, although probably you would end up wanting to hit him after, <laughs> you know, an hour or so, I think. But um, I like him, and I may possibly fancy him a little bit. Not that that clouds my judgment at all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> <Of course>. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's okay. the most in-depth I can think of. I'm not awake. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mike, your favorite character. I think my favorite character throughout both of the series would have to be Simon, because in terms of you know this being a group of characters with abilities, he's the one who actually thinks about using his ability closer towards you know its intended meaning. You know, in terms of superheroes, um, he's especially on towards the second series. Not giving any spoilers for Hallie, of course, but. Uh, he actually uses his ability and goes into that superhero role a bit more, a lot more than the others. And just he, he seems the the one to be of the the five characters. He seems to be the one who's most affected by all of the all of the all of the shenanigans that they get up to, all of the probation officers that they kill. Uh, which you know, considering the the end of series one, uh, there you go. But. Uh, I, the character that I that, that I most like, of course, Nathan, being the being the, uh, the 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 comedic effect of the group, and but Simon is one of my favorite characters in the show. Excellent, thank you, sir. And Scardus, um your favorite character? Um, well, among them, I mean, they're all kind of equal. But I suppose I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll highlight Lauren. Um, just the way that, you know, you, you look at her and you just think in like, oh, like typical, you know, Chav character, that, but that, you know, that th- there's more to these people, well, there's more to a person than, you know, the, the, the stereotype that we all associate to them. When you get to know the person, I mean, yes, I mean, she's a Chav, I mean, that, that that's, there's, there's no denying that, but, you know, you can have Chavs at heart, you can have, you know, a, a posh person at heart, any one from any class can have, you know, a heart to them. So, you know, that's where we get to see Lauren and see her, you know, you know, develop a bit of uh, uh, affection. I mean, uh, the example would be, of course, when um, that person that she hit, who um, she um, uh, had to who put her on probation and then had the power to make everyone bald, and instead of, you know, uh, what we would expect her to do with Lamper, but then she kind of um, talks among each other that she has a, a baldness that had nothing to do with the storm, and that, you know, that, oh, well, the fella that they were fighting over, he's a bit of a, uh, not a nice fella, so, you know, keep him bald, keep going with him bald. So, yeah, just, uh, um, I'll just highlight Lauren, because, you know, that we get to see that, yes, she is, as we find her, the, the, the stereotype, but that doesn't mean that she's not a, a, a good person in the end. Excellent. Um, and of course, uh, um, Lauren is uh, the actress. Uh, Kelly is her name in the show. Um, one of the reasons why, and I'm going to be pretty, pretty bad here, but I can because it's a 
an adult rated show, but she's got a huge rack on her as well. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I had to say that. It's it's one of those obvious uh, things that people expect of me. <laughs> I just point out that um, now uh, I won't officially link it, but you know, if you get a chance, have a look uh, around YouTube. Just when the series was launching, the 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 five of them went on to the Jonathan Ross show, and. Um, Jonathan's reaction to when Kelly started talking is absolutely priceless because she, she she actually does talk very similar to her character in real life. She has that heavy accent. It's it's not a, a put on thing at all. It's, she she puts it on. So you know that's like um, how did she get the part? And she started talking. All right, that's how you got the part. You know because yep. um, she has that heavy. Um, Accent. I think she said it's from around Derby or somewhere like that. But uh, yeah, um, that's how she talks. It's, it's, uh, you know, as I said, never judge a person by the cover because, of course, you know she probably isn't really a chav- that chavy in her real life. All right. All right. Moving on to Tim. Tim, your favorite character or character? Gonna join. Gonna join the Nathan Appreciation Society again. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just he's just so genuinely funny because it. The the thing that seems to happen time and time again in this show, there's, there's something really dramatic happen when they're going around the room and they're all saying things like, oh, what are we going to do now? And there'll be a pause, a slight pause, and he'll come up with some quip that just, like, breaks the atmosphere. But um, I'll, I'll mention Simon as well, who, who's warmed on me, particularly in se- season two, because they moved his character on and you had this... This other plot line progress. Not wishing to give it too much away for people who haven't right. seen we're, those we're, episodes. We're, we're, tip, we're tiptoeing around series two for a little bit until uh, until we get to such a point where we really need to address some of the things that have gone on in series two. But giving those people who, uh, who have not got caught up uh, the opportunity to have their say and then uh, and then bugger off a bit later. <laughs> <laughs> right, Holly. <laughs> Right, sorry, continue, Tim. Or were you done? Oh, I was done. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I would have to agree. Um of course Nathan, I just I just love the the lines that are written for him over and everything. But I I do have to agree with you to a certain extent, Darth, that it's one of those things where a character becomes very, very popular and then you begin to worry whether they're going to uh draw too much focus on that character. Uh, like the phones. Um Big Bang Theory is another one where there's a very, very popular character, um, and I'm hoping that they don't just milk it for all it's worth because then it just becomes old very quickly. Uh, and Nathan could have that effect, uh, but I'm 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 quite fond of Simon, regardless of the creepiness factor, especially in in the first series of of the stuff that he has done, because um, he is quite creepy and quite. Uh, but then again, he's he's, he's in, in some respects um, the geek, you know, slash nerd of the crowd, which is probably one of the reasons why I associate. You know, he's I mean, he's constantly getting picked on because he's quiet. Um, he's into science fiction. He's the one who you know says, "Oh, we've got superpowers. We should use them for good. We should be you know superheroes, etc." Uh, but also, I like him because he's he's the one who always, he, he gets picked on by Nathan all the time, and it's led to some uh, some great lines. And of course, the reason that you know him also calling him Barry all the time just I don't know why, but it's funny. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, right, it's time for another clip, because I've got to get my shit together. <laughs> Is that playing? No. no. We heard, heard about two words of it. Here we go. Here we go. i I got to move them up in the queue. I've got the... I've only got the... The, the, the shareware version of V-Emotion. <laughs> Here we go! I mean, I was there, right? I should have one of these bullshit powers. You can have mine. Do you want to hear what people are thinking about you? Not so much, no. I want something good. You know, something from the A-list. Maybe you can fly. He's not going to be able to fly. Yeah. There's always someone who can fly. Check it out. Don't. That's not it. So, what happens now? Is this it? We're gonna be like this forever? What if we're meant to be like superheroes? You lot, superheroes. No offense, but in what kind of fucked up world would that be allowed to happen? I did not sign up for that. Superheroes? I love this guy, you prick. What if there's loads of people like us all over town? No. That kind of thing only happens in America. This will fade away. I'm telling you, by this time next week, it'll be back to the same old boring shit. I, I and I love, the, I love how on the next time trailer, instead of saying next time, the caption was this time next week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do love the, 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 the reference there. This kind of shit only happens in America. Uh, <laughs> so, so you're all superheroes. And you can all fly to Gally. <laughs> I, I just love that scene, though, because they're on top of a roof and all the rest of them are sitting around and he, like, finds, finds a milk crate or something and stands on top and starts throwing himself off as if he's suddenly going to fly off the roof. Which, <laughs> one can't help but think if it was an American show like Heroes, he would suddenly fly, like a character flies out of a window in one episode. But because it's a British show and they want to puncture some of those things, he's falling on his, flat on his face and they're all going... Oh, you're going to be the one who doesn't have a power then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, I mean, for, and for those of you who are, of course, listening and wondering, you know, uh, what are all the powers that these people have? Well, uh, Curtis, uh, big, tall, black guy who could run really fast, or at least could until he got uh, busted on drug charges, ruined his running career. Uh, Curtis can turn back time and in certain respects can go forward in time but has not quite mastered it. Um, then uh, Kelly uh, can uh, that's the child that we've been talking about with the um, uh, the huge uh, lion. Yeah. <laughs> the huge mouth on her. Um, she can uh, read people's minds and thoughts and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh Simon can turn himself invisible. Alicia, uh, hers is an interesting power, and I, I kind of, if you were looking at it as a uh, from a superhero kind of uh, point of view, like uh, from comic books, um, it's kind of like Rogue's power, where um, when she touches people, something happens. Uh, unfortunately with her, uh, they just want to shag her. Uh, so no matter who she touches, they just want to shag her. Uh, and of course, oh, I can't say because it's in series two. 
No, they said right Arrow will become... One. It's right at well, the end of Series 1, and actually Howley, Howley's saying she knows it, so go first. I've seen the first episode of Series 2. Okay. Is anybody else... Uh, no, no. So, yeah. Uh, Nathan's power is as such. Oh, cool. I did it again. <laughs> that was supposed to sound really, really good and really tight, but it didn't. So Nathan's power is... So hold on. All of you have some kind of... That's the wrong one. Ha! <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm waiting just... for his dulcet tones. <laughs> and because it's a rated show, I can say this. God, I'm fucking this up royally today, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> you should see the looks on your faces. Classic. Hey, guess what? I'm immortal. <laughs> of course. Which, which, yeah. become, which kind of becomes his catchphrase in season two. <laughs> Getting tight circumstances, and he'll just stick his arms out and go, well, I'm immortal. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, that is part of the, 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 the brilliance of this, is that, um, of course, Alicia gets stuck with um, what you could call the bad power. Because um, it means that she can't touch anybody and of course throughout season one she has a, a relationship between her and Curtis develops uh, where they have to uh, find ways of means of being intimate without touching each other <laughs> I wish I had that sound clip uh, <laughs> but of course Nathan goes through the whole series one uh, not knowing and trying to guess what his power is and thinking he's been gypped So out of the first uh, out of the, the, the first series, uh people's favorite power. I think this is gonna be the best way to handle this show, I think. Darth, your favorite power both of, of, of the uh the main cast and the guest cast. I think we lost Darth. Howling Sorry, you didn't really lose me, I just had my volume turned down, so that was fine. <gasps> Screw oh, we had me turned hey. down, folks. I've been turned down by Dara. <laughs> no. But, uh, it, you know, the, the thing is, none of these powers are particularly innovative. I don't I don't know that I necessarily hold with what Mike was saying earlier, that they, that it's, you know, really interesting looks on, uh, or really interesting powers. What's interesting about it is the way in which the character's attitude toward their powers and their inability pretty much total inability to actually control the powers in any kind of meaningful way. Um, so, I mean, I guess in that regard, you know, because it's not like, at least initially, it's not like Simon can actually figure out how to turn himself invisible. It's not like Nathan really has uh, um, any kind of control over the, the what well, he doesn't even know what his power is until the end. Um, and even that, I was like, I was actually slightly disappointed in that because I was like, oh, are you kidding me? So he's got Captain Jack's power. Big deal. You know, I mean, it's not, it's actually not that innovative. Um, but in, in a way, it actually makes some com- character sense for him because he's such a smart ass. He's going to be killed a lot. Um, so, I mean, you might as well give him power that is actually useful to him. Um, you know, I don't know. 
Lauren, Lauren's power is probably the one that I would go for myself. I mean, Lauren Kelly's power is the one I'd go for myself, but you know, she, for some reason, doesn't see any potential in it. And I don't know quite why. Um, there's only, there's only really one episode that I know of where she seems to gain any kind of satisfaction that she has that power. And that's in series two. So we can't really talk about it. Um, but, um, you know, Curtis's power is cool. I like it, it, but he doesn't really have that much control over it. And it's very limited. You know, it's not, as we find out later on in series two, it's not that he can just turn back time at will. He has to have some sort of emotional presence in the, in, in the issue that he's trying to revert. Um, so as he said, he can't go back and, you know, kill Hitler because he's not, you know, he's not really got anything personally to do with Hitler, but he can slightly go back for 10 minutes and avoid having the gang getting killed. So it's, you know, they're, they're all very sort of interesting, but limited powers. Um, and I'm not, I'm, for me, the thing is, is not necessarily what the powers are. It is merely, it's the reaction of the characters to their powers. That's interesting. And everyone right. has an interesting reaction. Okay. Howley. Yep. Um, What's your take on, on the powers and the, the various powers that have been in the show, guessed and otherwise? I don't know, really. I quite like Simon's one. Just because I think it'd be quite fun to be able to, you know, sneak around being invisible. Not for any nefarious reasons, of course. <laughs> Just generally seems like quite good fun. But I don't. I quite like how they're all sort of. They're meant to kind of reflect the, like, the people that they belong to. So you know, Simon's really, you know, shy and hangs back and, you know, just like that. Does that make sense? Right. I quite yeah. like how yeah. that works. But yeah. And so they're all kind of. They're not quite rubbishy powers, but they don't work. You know. As they would, like, if it was an American show, then they'd all have instant command of it whenever they wanted to, and actually, no, it happens, you know, the, when it seems to feel like it for a lot of them, or, you know, at the least appropriate moment, or whatever, which right. is quite cool. Yeah, I noticed that in some regards, their their powers tend to tie into to something in their personality. Um, like you said, especially Simon, you know, he's, he's the guy who... You know, would just rather disappear in the background so nobody would notice him, so nobody would pick on him, or, or, you know, and and he does that. I do like that his power, especially the way uh, he doesn't just poof and he disappears. It almost looks as if, in some regards, it's, especially at the beginning, painful uh, for him to, to 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 you know to go invisible. Yeah. All right, Mike. Sort of, I I, yeah, I agree with what Darth was saying about how it's more interesting with the characters' reactions to their powers than what the actual abilities are. Because if you, if you look among the, the main five characters, you've got a lot of the main standard superhero abilities. You've got invisibility, you've got mind reading, you've got some sort of time manipulation, you've got immortality. Pretty much all the standard superhero abilities. So you know, there's nothing really new there. It's how the characters react. And something else that I liked was how the first series, sort of to go along with what we were saying, how the first series sort of explains, 
hinted at a bit at why characters had certain abilities and how Nathan's power in, in specific was uh, alluded to. It's like in the the opening intro for the for the show. There's among all the animation, you can sort of tell what those what the different characters' abilities are with the way the animation goes. It's like Simon's character is shown to be slightly transparent, and Nathan's ability. If you look at how Nathan's ability is uh, shown in the intro, it's being chased by a, by a, some sort of dog. So that's it's interesting how that could be interpreted. And th- the way I interpret that is, you know, basically death chasing him and never catching him. But one thing in particular with Nathan's powers, early on in the series, we we there's a scene where Nathan's mom is telling him that more more or less that nothing anyone says ever hurts you, and you know his his ability turns out to be just that. And I think it's in episode four where uh, we get a scene with uh, Curtis at the community center in the altered timeline where the the probation officer did kill them all except for Nathan, and Nathan is the only survivor, and the paramedics were speculating that Nathan was just lucky to survive that, yet he was the only survivor. So mm-hmm. there you go, and at his immortality right there, before well before it was actually revealed. But yeah, it's, it's mainly how the characters react to their abilities is what makes the show so interesting, and how they use them, because the show isn't really as much about how they use their abilities as, you know, say, heroes or anything or anything else like that. It's, it's how they react to having their abilities and just how they come into play and, you know, on when they're serving community service hours and, and just in daily life. So, yeah. Okay. Scardis. Yeah. Um, main thing then, uh, the interesting thing is that there wasn't actually, uh, no, it was revealed early on that the five misfits weren't the only people um, taken uh, who got who gained powers from the storm. We had, of course, the the old woman. Uh, we had a, a baby who was looking for a daddy who um, influenced um, Nathan to try and uh, protect him, to, to protect him. And we also had then in the finale, the series finale, a girl called Rachel who was a bit of a religious fanatic who decided, you know, that, you know, everybody should be nice wearing cardigans and um and and, and, and just uh you know and promote world peace in 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 a sort of way. Um so yeah, it's Rachel's power that was interesting that that power suggestion that, you know, um the voice, you know, she just says something and you're convinced, you know, and that you're better than this. You can wear a cardigan and be and and be all nice. Um, yeah, the, 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 I thought that was the most interesting power. Uh, but uh, as we were saying before, uh, it's it's not the power itself; it's how it's it's used and and and, and in a way for the misfits, how it was defeated. You know, with um, Nathan there, just with the headphones on. Oh, I can't hear you! I can't hear you! We're all we're all misfits, we're all failures, we're all jerks, we're all supposed to go mad and have fun and everything like that. And then he drops her off the building and drops himself off and onto the railings. So, yeah, that went well for him. Uh, but, yeah, that, that, that I thought was the most interesting, that, that, that power suggestion. And, and it's just interesting that you, you, there isn't really any uh, other, although it's obvious that there are other people out there, it's not really until series... Two, do we 
really start to see people and their other powers. I mean, we get a few people, like I mentioned, but, you know, um, yeah, that's all I have to say for it. Okay. And Tim? Well, um, I think Nathan's my favourite character, but Simon's probably the one who has the the favourite power for me, particularly as it, it does suit his character, as has been said, he is the the quiet one, and he's the one where everyone, everyone else will be talking, and they'll be quite active in conversation, and he'll be the one they'll have to turn to, and he'll sort of quietly say something, which quite often might be the, the cleverest thing that anyone's come up with, because he, he, he does have that ability to sort of think first. And has has been said he, he is the sort of geeky character in um, the first series. He's shown that he makes sort of like videos with his phone, and rather than just put them straight up on YouTube, he puts them all in his computer and sort of does edity things with them and turns them into little mini productions and that. I've got nothing more to say about it, really. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Um. Yeah, obviously I could have rephrased the question into the way that Darth presented it, which was obviously a lot fucking better than what I came up with. Thank you, Darth. (laughs) 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 All right, time for another clip, and then we're going to have a look at the episodes that constituted Series 1. So uh, let's see if I can actually play a clip without fucking it up. And what, because you're all special and I'm not? Yeah, well, I doubt it. You can think what you like, but I have a superpower, and I just need to find out what it is. Maybe you're just super retarded. Maybe I've got, like, a whole Spider-Man vibe going on. You know, maybe I can climb stuff and do spider shit. Yeah, because that makes perfect sense. Why would you be able to climb stuff? I don't know. How is it that you can turn back time, apparently, and weird kids can turn invisible? It's not like this whole situation is backed up by a wank load of logic. All right. Uh, anyway, I just love how he calls Simon weird kid because for the first few episodes, that's what we're thinking about Simon because he's so quiet and he yeah. does look a bit odd. <laughs> what is it with this guy? <laughs> yep. Okay. Um, oh, Willis Girl. Um, your favorite power? From um, my favorite power on the show. Um, I really well, like no, well. Whatever, whatever way Darth worded it, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Darth, word it again. Go on. No, I refuse. Oh, oh, no, you're just evil. You're just evil. This is power. That's his. <laughs> the the char- character's reaction to their power. Um, character's reaction to their power. Um. Hmm. I have to think about that one. <laughs> See, I finally got you back on mic. I stumped you already! <laughs> All right, well, we'll leave you thinking. Tim, your favorite episode from Series 1? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea Scardis, your... <laughs> uh, oh, oh, I, I, yeah, this was in Series 1. Um, there's... Um... The the one where um who's the guy that can turn back time? Curtis. Curtis. There's there's a very clever episode in season one where in various episodes you get their backstory explained and that. 
and there's an episode where he gets to turn back time to the day in which he was caught with these drugs on him and so he he tries to actually prevent being caught by the police and you see him reliving this few hours several times and he can't make it work so he doesn't end up on community service and sort of when he he does get away with it something else goes wrong and that, that was that was sort of the, the whole catch 22 situation i thought that was rather clever that it, it, it kind of shows his power is it's not so much a power it's a bit of a curse really at times okay scardus Right. Uh, favorite episode, probably, um, yeah, probably the finale, you know, the whole, um, the set-up into, uh, what was basically a, a set-up in series two, but like I was saying, it was interesting, the, the power suggestion and how, how the, the team kind of, uh, got, got around that to, to, to defeat, uh, the, the girl, um, who running brought you. So, yeah, that, that was definitely one of my favorites. Uh, would be uh, episode six. Cool, Mike. Your favorite episode of series one, season one. Sure. I'd have to go. I would have to agree with Tim and go with uh, episode four, the the one that had all the all the backwards time travel. As we basically saw the explanation for a lot of their a lot of the characters' backstories, we, mainly with uh, mainly with Curtis and also with Nathan. There was that great scene there in the in the bowling alley with Nathan running around and throwing every knocking everything over. Reminds me a lot of the Big Lebowski. <laughs> Very and I'm sure that was obviously inten- intentional. But uh, yeah, it was just it was a great it was great to, you know, see all their all their backstories and see how it all tied together and the inevitability of it all, of course, of their meeting in the in the community center. But yeah, that was my favorite episode of the first series. Uh, can I just come back in on that just for a second and just say uh, how good it was in the following episode? Because, of course, um, Curtis was successful enough that uh, the, the the girlfriend wasn't uh, jailed, but then I had to come back the next episode. Uh, because she wasn't jailed, they didn't break up, and, uh, oh dear, uh, he's trying to get on thing. So he had to try and break up with her, and it was quite funny when um, he was kind of having to... He had to do it over and over again because the excuses he came up, they never worked. And so he had to keep coming and coming. And then in the end, uh, he, he came up with a cheesy line for Spider-Man. She recognized it and said, uh, do you know what? Forget it. Bye. <laughs> yes, that was rather clever. All right, Holly, welcome back from your... Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going around the room. <laughs> going around the room asking uh, favorite episode from series one. Um, I don't know actually because it's been so long since I sat down and watched them all. I can't remember individual episodes particularly well. I suppose it's too much of a cop out to say I like them all. They were good. <laughs> it's one of the reasons why I put the link in the chat. Yeah, but I wasn't looking. I, I was elsewhere in the room. <laughs> You just can't help some people, I tell you. There we go. (laughs) Well, maybe we'll come back to you if you can think of something in between now and when I ask Darth Skeptical what his favorite episode is. Oh, serious one. 
Well, I mean, I do take the point that episode four is a pretty good episode with all the time traveling and everything. But I also like episode four because it's sort of the biggest episode for Michael Obiora, who, of course, is Billy Shifton from Doctor Who. And he, you know, plays the uh, the policeman who is a recurring character. You know, he's basically in four of the six episodes of that series, but he has a particularly good and amusing role in episode four. So I, I understand why people would like that. But I... I, I'm not entirely sure that for pure comedy and fun that episode two can has been beat at all. Uh, you know, this is the episode in which the uh, Nathan uh, <laughs> discovers that he's actually having an intimate relationship with a, an 82-year-old woman. Um, and, you know, that's a fascinating power, actually, the, the ability to, to sort of turn back time and to look a lot younger than you are. But the the whole way that it's slowly revealed um, is just it's delicious. It's a wonderful comic episode, and I I think it it probably is the episode that if you weren't already in love with Nathan, it was the one that made you think, oh yeah, this is this is a cool character. Um, so I I really have a, a soft spot for that. I I'm not um, I don't know about episodes. The, fi- the finale. The finale felt very, I don't know, different to me than the rest of the episodes. And I felt somewhat cheated by the finale, actually, because, you know, one of the major sort of um, narrative through line of series one had to do with where we're going to bury these bodies, or the body. What are we going to do about our, our initial probation worker? And I don't... <laughs> You know, instead of there being an answer to that, instead of there being an ongoing tension about, um, you know, the police are coming after us and all that, instead what the series finale says is actually the thing that's really been most important about this series is what is Nathan's power. That's actually the major through line. This stuff about the probation officers is so insignificant that what we're going to do is not answer that question and kill off another one. And... In a way, that's kind of cool. In another way, it was, uh, you know, and certainly as we find out in the series two, where that's basically completely dropped after series one, uh, episode one, um, that it's just sort of a mystery how these completely incompetent teenagers get away with two murders and really nobody's following up on them. Um, so it's. You know, long term, I think that series, when you look at that that series finale of series one, it stands as a kind of fuck you to the to the viewer, to the you know to anybody who was actually thinking, okay, th- this is what the series is about. This is the you know the major through line. No, I mean Overman Howard Overman, the writer, just says eh, we're done looking at that. So uh, here's here's something else to look at for a while. Yeah. Although it's I think there's episode, a, 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 yeah, I I I think there's a, a nice little uh, and we'll get to that when we hit series. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's talking about series two, a nice little kind of uh, uh, send up of that whole thing. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, series it's, two was, it becomes clear in series two that it's just a joke. You know, that the whole thing was smoke and mirrors, really. Yeah, um, yeah. But. You know that's fine. One of, one of the glories of the show, I think, it is the way in which it defies conventions over what we do with a narrative arc. 
especially I think in series two, it does something that I think is just completely unexpected in, in the development of a series arc. Um, and we'll talk about that later, but it, it is interesting how Overman is not, it's not just that he's not following conventions about superheroes. Um, it's not just that he's not following conventions about what, uh, you know, how shallow youthful characters are. Um, it's also that he is really flouting the, the narrative conventions, I think, of television storytelling, especially seasonal arc storytelling. So we'll, we'll get to that later, though. Yep. All right. Uh, people come keep <laughs> arriving on chat and then disappearing in. Howley, uh, have you had a chance to look at that? Um, I had a brief look, but I haven't got through reading all of the summaries well enough to you know, work out which episode was which. So. <laughs> You see, but, uh, I'm going to have to agree with that. just about everybody. Uh, it might sort of toss up between um, uh, between episode four and 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 uh, and the the series uh, series finale, episode six. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons I like you know, the last episode is that uh, it just shows Nathan in a bit of a different light. Um, he kind of takes a bit of responsibility and kind of goes after them with guns blazing and, and, and the suit just lovely and and in his last words, save me, Barry. <laughs> you just gotta love him. Alrighty. Um. Well, we've had a bit of a request here. Um. Tim's gotta run off because he wants to go watch Being Human, uh, and would like to uh, give us his thoughts on the. Christmas special. For, so for those of you who have not seen the Christmas special, cover your ears, and Tim, you can begin in three, two, one. Tim? Tim? Hello? This is what happens when you mute yourself, because you have a laptop in the room that suddenly starts making noise unexpectedly. <laughs> but... Yeah, Hallie, they had no idea because she couldn't hear you anyway. <laughs> um, All right. Oh, she's got her headphones out, so I can mention what happens in the Christmas special. Uh, so we had this run of episodes in Series 2. I can't remember how many it was. And then we had a gap, and we've been informed in various levels of press that um, uh, unusually for a Channel 4 show, it was going to have a Christmas special. And we're, hmm, what can they do with misfits at Christmas? And um, so, well, they they had a very interesting plot line where you have a character come along who has the power to take on other people's powers, a bit like um, Siler in Heroes. And so he does what you do in a modern capitalist society. He sets himself up behind a desk and puts a sign on the wall saying, Power's bought for cash. And and you think, oh, what's this guy going to do? He's going to... So... Um, I forget which one of our regulars has the power to um, the, the shag business. <laughs> that would be Alicia. Yeah, Alicia is the first to go to him because she's really sick of <laughs> living her life this way. And uh, she, she asks him the inevitable question when he's, he's paid over some money for her power. And she says, well, what are you going to do with it? And he says, oh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that. But she's so desperate, she like takes the money and runs, and and uh, some of the other regulars also um, sell their powers to him. And you think, what's what's going to happen in this plotline? He's buying all these powers, and then 
it being the Christmas episode, uh, it, it, it gets very dark and exploitative of people's fears because um, there's this wonderful huge uh, lake uh, in the location they use and it appears in several episodes and uh, this guy who's been buying the powers suddenly one day starts walking on it uh, full on walking on water Jesus Christ style and and everyone's going oh, this guy can walk on water and and then he demonstrates certain other powers, but but once he's walking on water, all he has to do is just basically say, I am Jesus. I have risen again. <laughs> so of course, he just exploits this, and uh, he sort of recruits um, a minor criminal, his, his disciple, who's, well, more henchman than disciple, and because he's got this power to make people shag him, he basically goes off raping <laughs> raping people left, right and centre and it, it's very nastily done and um, well it, I can't, thankfully, thankfully for people who don't like spoilers, I can't quite remember how it concludes but it, it was a wonderfully different and dark twist on a Christmas special because most Christmas specials have usually got some kind of light to them but this <laughs> couldn't be uh, more dark some... He tried to kill. He tried to uh, teleport a locker back towards him, and the locker uh, hit him very hard and killed him. Ah, yeah. But well, that, that, something that will, will come up in the the series two discussion is that um, um, a, a new character joins our regulars who can teleport, but but like like our regulars, she hasn't quite got control of it. Zachary. Mm. Well, well, there's that episode, isn't there, where they're all hung up on meat hooks, and you're thinking, ah, oh, well, we, should, we know she's the only one that can get a, get them out of this, and it's getting to the point where he, the guy's gone off to like sharpen knives and like prepare to do horrible things to them. Suddenly she shows up, but that's like her power; she can just be there. <laughs> and the guy shows up, and now she's hanging off the meat. So can you <laughs> how are they going to get out of this one? I'll leave you. I'll leave you on that point, and um, good luck with the rest of the discussion. It's a very fun show to talk about, and um, to go off and catch a bit of Top Gear before being human. So bye, okay. bye, well, everybody. Thanks. thanks very much, Tim. Thank you. Ian. All right. Uh, just to catch up briefly, I've been neglecting my duties. It's uh, one of the things that uh, not having Dave here <laughs> kind of puts me in a bad way. Cybob uh, has been chatting nicely away in, in the in the text chat, and I've been basically ignoring everything he's saying. Well, actually, no. Every time he said something, I've, I've gone, well, i got to bring that up in the chat. But uh, you know, ADD prevents me from uh, remembering things after three seconds. What was I talking about again? Oh, yeah, Cybob. Uh <laughs> Uh, Cybob was um, brought into watching this show um, after hearing us talk about it um, and has enjoyed it right from the start because uh, it surprises you a lot. Um, his favorite character is Simon. His favorite power was, of course, the uh, toddler's power to um, want everyone to, uh, you know, to attract the uh, people to, to, to care for him and uh, look after him. Uh, he also figured out that Nathan was immortal in the fourth episode when Curtis was changing the past and he survived the attack by the probation worker. I can't even remember that. 
And then that kind of bums me out because normally I'd be like all over that one. Eh. Yeah, it was the. I actually thought he was just check. being lucky. Mm. I, I actually thought he was lucky. Normally, I'd scrutinize something like that and go, ooh, I wonder, you know. Of course, yeah, the toddler's power was to attract a, a surrogate dead eater and to, to love him. Um, and uh, Cybob's favorite episode from Series 1 is Episode 4 with all the time-traveling stuff, which always appeals to him. And I think that's almost got me caught up. Yes. Yay! <laughs> Sorry about that, Cybob. I will try and pay attention, or better attention, next time. All right, it's time for a clip to give my mouth a rest. This is a joke! So why don't you do this? Don't look at me because I didn't do it. I'll tell you who did it. It's that Banksy prick. There's a hidden meaning. It's like that monkey policeman with a banana in the Tesco's back. <laughs> Maybe someone wants to kill us. Oh, why would anybody want to kill us? Right, come on, you lot. Let's get changed. Have you seen him? All right, and uh, bringing us up to date, and uh, I think now we will uh, launch ourselves into Series 2. Here's oh, another... Hang on. Hallie's back. What, 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 what? Oh, Hallie's back. But if you go to Series 2, I'll go again. Yeah. Okay. Um, is there anything you'd like to say uh, before uh, you disappear? No, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Okay. Well, yep, thank you very much for showing up, and I uh, hope you're here next week. Um, I won't be, actually, because I'm home the weekend for my little brother's 10th birthday, but hopefully the week after. Well, well, since it's <laughs> this kind of a show, screw you then. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me. No, I, I could phone in, but I'll probably be on a train. So, you know. Ah, excuses, yeah. excuses. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, moving forward. Bye, Ollie. Bye-bye. Of course, we uh, launch into Series 2, uh, picking up, of course, where Series 1 left off in the discovery of the fact that Nathan is immortal. Well, I'll put you back on the system. Hold on, what? Are you saying I was out of the system? I was a free man? And if I didn't show up here, no one would have come looking for me? We thought you were dead. <laughs> you prick. Yes. <laughs> Nathan stupidly goes back to the... Uh, the rec center and uh, gets his gear back on and uh, then of course discovers that if he hadn't gone back there they wouldn't have known and he wouldn't have been having to finish his community service. So changes in series two. Uh, we've had an addition of a, a, another a second character uh, an additional character. Uh, and I mean I've heard uh, people good and bad about Series 2. Uh, Darth, your take on Series 2 and where we went on from what was, I think, a, a great introduction to these characters and, and to the show itself. Um, what did you think about the progression in Series 2? I thought it was damned interesting. Just the, the narrative structure of Series 2, you know, because at first you think it's about, um, you know, this mysterious character who showed up at the end of Series 1, the, the so-called super hoodie. Um, and then you find out, you know, really quickly, actually, by episode three, that it, it turns out to be Simon from the future. Um, and so you think, well, wait a minute. That's not how a, a series normally progresses. I mean, normally it would be 
that's what you get revealed in the series finale, and you know you build up all this tension to that. But no, Overman undercuts that by saying we're going to find out, you know, midway through, and then we're going to go off on a totally different direction, um, and and flip the thing around, so that you know if what you were looking at for the first three episodes was what is Alicia's reaction to this character? Because she's the one who really sort of figures out who the character is. And she's the one who becomes obsessed with finding out who the character is. She finds out the character in episode three. And then what happens is it it gets turned on its ear and you then are working at the, um, the development of, since I don't know how to explain this, since since Simon is from the future, um, and he makes the declaration in episode three that the only way that he got to be who he is is because of um, Alicia's influence. Then what you get to see in episodes four through six is Alicia's growing influence upon Simon, and indeed that now that goes through the Christmas special too, and and seems to be something that will happen also in series three. So it's interesting that. It, it doesn't have a traditional narrative background. It, it, it instead breaks up the series into two halves and works at the identity of the hero from two different directions in time, which I just think is fascinating. And honestly, Stephen Moffat should be taking some notes from Howard Overman, really, because this is how you do manipulation over the course of a series, not like we got in series five of Doctor Who. Um, I think I think it's damn clever, and it serves as a model for anybody writing a series about time travel because it, it made sense. It's logical. You get to I mean I'm, I'm, you can always poke a hole in, in time travel because time travel can't happen, so therefore there are going to be holes in it. But given that you're writing a series about time travel, I think that this was just so so clever, and I I really like this this series a lot better than series one. Um, not just for that, but also because I think you had a lot of interesting characters. The milk manipulation guy. Oh my God. Oh. How freaking cool was that? That was um, cool. You know, if, <laughs> you, you can't say, at least I can't say in series one that there's a particularly standout power. Um, so the little toddler thing, I'm going to give that to Cybob. That is kind of a cool little, you know, to make somebody your daddy. That's kind of cool. But, Nothing on the order of Milkman. I mean, that guy, that is just uh, what a beautiful episode that was. Um, but I'm not, not sure just if that, re- but, Sorry, go ahead. I'm not sure if it's recorded anywhere, but there there was an episode of The, the Collective where um, we were talking about Misfits, and, and, and Dave said, oh, yeah, I think I saw that. There was a guy with a, who could control milk. And, of course, I hadn't seen the You're episode right. yet. I'm like... I'm like, what are you going on about? <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, I'm like, yeah. what a stupid power. Because <laughs> as soon as he said that, I'm like, no, he must be thinking of something else. <laughs> oh. But that, but you know, what I immediately thought was, in that entire episode, was this is a riff on the Legion of Substitute Superheroes in DC Comics. You know, there, there's the Legion of Superheroes, which is, you know, futuristic team of all these people, Saturn Girl and Lightning Lad, all these people. And then they they posited that, um, oh, for those people who didn't quite have good enough powers, like Color Man and, and Stone Boy, 
Uh, <laughs> the chlorophyll, the chlorophyll kid. The, these people who really have really useless powers. Then what we're going to do is we're going to create the legion of substitute superheroes and pull them out only when the real legion is off fighting some real menace. And, and that's what I totally thought this was. This was a commentary upon that. And oh my god, to flip it in the uh, at the thirty minute mark and change it into, okay, this guy is the worst villain you've ever thought of. Um, was just beautiful. Uh, but there's him, and then, and then the other you know, innovation, I guess, of the series is um, the... Um, well, if Alicia's going to now have a boyfriend in Simon, then that means that Curtis has got to have uh, you know, somebody to be with. And the... Um, I, I like how she... What's, what's the hell's her name? Um, Nikki. Um, you know, because it, she's introduced also in a sort of a time traveling way, you know, because he sees who Nikki is um, at a at a point in time when they're already in a relationship, and he doesn't understand who the person is, and then he gets to relive that moment later when he does finally understand who she is, and the whole business of oh she got her superpower because she got you know heart transplant, and yet the superpower is kind of cool teleportation that would be great except. Mm-hmm. She has absolutely no control over it, and it seems to happen when she's in moments of profound fear. So it's you know, or even ecstasy. even or or ecstasy, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but but certain opportune moments and uh, just that whole thing. You know, that's a really interesting power to to come in there, and the way that she gets it too. Just and she's such a great actor. I mean, the the whole way she's introduced you. You know, at first is she seems to be sort of bold and cocky, and then you realize, wait a minute, she's actually very ill. So, the, you know, as far as introducing somebody new, I thought she was just a fabulous introduction. And I, you know, if you haven't seen the Christmas, well, you know, I'm not not necessarily pleased with how ultimately that that storyline comes to fruition, but. Um, you know, for the ride, for the six episodes, so seven episodes, really, um, she's a great addition to the cast, I think. Okay, okay. Mike. Wait, what was the question again? I've already forgotten what it was. <laughs> See, we all, got, we all got caught up in what Darius was saying and completely forgot what the question was. <laughs> um, series 2, what did you think about it? Um, an improvement? What did you think about the progression of the characters? Yeah, Just I definitely overview. thought it was an improvement upon Series 1 because, it, as you would expect, Series 1 is all about introducing the characters, how they, what their powers are, how they deal with those. Here we are in Series 2, where we have all of that already established, so we can move forward. And, you know, as Darth was, was saying, the way the, 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 the Series 2 story arc was, was dealt with, was I was not expecting that in the slightest. I was expecting the whole mystery of Super Hoodie to be that to be to, to go on throughout the series and be revealed at the end of the series. I I was expecting that you know, you know to be the the climactic thing to happen in the series finale episode, but no, it wasn't. It was dealt with about three episodes in, and you know it was split up into half. And then we have all of that playing around with time travel, and you know who who makes it between Simon and Alicia who makes the other character who they are and. Um, which one comes first, and you get all the time travel shenanigans and time travel debate going on, and it was there was a lot of good acting, great acting from, and great writing all around, and uh, yeah, it was 
just there were just besides the overall story arc, the individual episode stories were well written, and there was a, just a lot going on for all the characters, and there was a lot of neat playing around with abilities. In one of the episodes, uh, the characters were, characters were at a club, and they were they were taking pills, which reversed their abilities, which allowed Curtis to to go forward in time, and he met Nikki for the first time. And um, just different characters' abilities were going backwards. Like Kelly was was uh, hearing people's thoughts and automatically saying what she was hearing. And it's, there was a character that we met in that episode who had an ice ability, and she was uh, that was switched with fire. And then, of course, Simon realized what was going on with Nathan's ability and warned him to stay careful, to, to be careful because you know reverse of immortality. <laughs> there you go. But yeah, yeah, there were a lot of episode-specific stories that were great, and add to that the whole overall story arc. It was just a, a great series overall. Welcome to Bank of America. You can see your selection for professional <laughs> only. Who's on Bank three, of three. America? <laughs> <laughs> the Golden Collective Podcast, where you can talk about great shows and... I'm sorry, banking the speech key service is not available at this time. Please say or enter your act. Huh. <laughs> okay. What's going on there? I don't know. I'm confused. Uh, anyway, moving swiftly onwards. Oh, actually, okay. I've actually seen it. I've seen it. Cybob says that Series 1 was good, but Series 2 surpassed Series 1. And with that, we'll move on to Scardis, sir. Your view of series two and the progression of the characters and the storyline and everybody having Welcome fun. Welcome to Bank of America. You can see Hang your on. collection, or for touchstone only, press star three three. Does anyone know where that's coming from? coming from? It's oh, Rick Law. Oh. It's Rick Law. There, there we go. go. Thank you, Bank right. of America. <laughs> um. Well, while the Christmas special had one in the open. Series 2 started with one in the freezer. <laughs> uh, yes, we kind of uh, glossed over the fact that... Um, oh, which one was he again? The, um, the Simon? Yeah, Simon. Simon. Uh, yeah, he killed uh, the second probation worker when uh, she kind of uh, manipulated him as the lonely girl, whatever she was on the internet, and then... Um, manipulated him into the date and found his things and uh, found out what happened with her uh, fiance. As it turned out, the original um, the original uh, probation worker was probation worker. yeah, uh, the original probation worker was her fiance. Of course, he, being that she would never believe that he would go nuts and try and kill everybody. So basically, she tries to um, again manipulate Simon to turn the rest of them in. Uh, he wasn't having any of it, and through some accident, he en- he ends up uh, hitting her over the head, and she's dead. No idea what to do with her, so he sticks her in the freezer. And uh, about, I think, was it episode two? Actually, it was episode one of series two that they found out that he was in the that he was in the freezer, and we had this um, what this mentally challenged girl who knew Simon, um, Lucy, I believe, yeah. Uh, yep. She has a shape-shifting power, 
which uh, turns out some interesting uh, things for people. Um, uh, Simon gets a bit of uh, his first pleasure from Alicia uh, in sort of ways, and uh, but of course wasn't Alicia. And this causes confusion and fun. Uh, she then turns into um, Nathan. Nathan and finds out then that uh, he uh, Simon's mar- uh, mar- married, murdered the uh, probation worker, and um, then they all find out. And to, to stop her, uh, they kill the third probation worker. But then uh, Curtis turns that one back and uh, they don't kill the third probation worker uh, who looks very suspicious. What's going on here? That's after four o'clock. I don't care. Bye. And then off he goes and they find her and so on and so forth. Uh, so yeah, it was a good, strong start to the series. Uh, again, more people with powers starting to come out of the woodwork. Um... Another one that came up interesting was, of course, we, uh, we haven't met Lauren for a while, and her um, supposed boyfriend from that ep- uh, from episode two, where that uh, she finds a nice fella who's running from the police. Uh, turns out he's actually an ape or a gorilla of some sort. So, why they didn't put his death scene to uh, in the air tonight, I'll never know. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, come on, uh, yeah, super hoodie and uh, interesting way of manipulating that. I mean, it's kind of an effect. Is he uh, like? Is he really that um, uh, influenced by Alicia, or you know, is a future fella thinking, "Oh, I'm in with a chance here. I'll just tell her." That oh she's gonna she's gonna fall madly in love with me and she'd have to believe it because I'm from the future anything I say is true so you know it's it's kind of you know uh, paradoxical there you know telling her these things like you know uh, oh, you're gonna like me you're gonna uh, have a relationship with me and she ends up doing having to do that but you know he does kind of um, correctly predict that she's not the one who um, pops his cherry he finds a different girl for that who um, everyone thinks is a mass murderer but it's actually the, the father who get, whose power is uh, super jealousy and uh, yeah and series 6 then we're on to um, this fella now not only has he got a milk power but he's milking it for all it's worth by going into uh Getting a PR assistant and going on telly, and but then there's other girls. I mean, a, a, a girl with a, a Lazarus type um, a power, but uh, unfortunately she um, falls on her award. Which I think about episode six though uh, was a lot of you know cliches in that. You know, oh she's got this lovely award with a spike. Guess what? She's gonna fall on and kill on it. Uh, this fella can do something like what Magneto did in the second um, X-Men movie, where you know um, the Seek had put iron in someone's bl- uh, bloodstream. Magneto was able to manipulate the blood in the bloodstream and kill the fella. 
So um, this fella was um, able to manipulate the milk that was in any one system. And uh, what, lo and behold, we get this very uh, convenient line, oh, Curtis is lactose intolerant. Doesn't eat dairy products. How convenient. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't really do much. It's more his other wait, wait, power. Wait, hold on. i got to stop you there. How is that convenient when the majority of the world's population is lactose intolerant? Well, no, just the way that they introduced this into the uh, into the story. You know, they're all having that episode. Right. Well, but I mean, I did, I didn't find that particularly uh, intrusive or, or, or just sort of you know Deus Ex Machina or whatever, because I mean, why would he? in any other episode, talk about his lactose intolerancy. I mean, it's not something you, you know, if you're a lactose intolerant, you don't just go around saying, oh, I'm lactose intolerant. You only do it when the subject of milk comes up. So I thought it yeah. was completely natural. And, you know, to be honest with you, as a, as a matter of percentages, more people should have been lactose intolerant uh, than were. So, I mean, it it is... The only thing that's slightly convenient is the one person who has the ability to turn back time is the person who's lactose intolerant. That's a little bit convenient, but still, seriously, it it is much more unusual as a, a human condition to be lactose tolerant than to be lactose intolerant. Okay, yeah, okay, I'll uh, I'll take your point on that. But yeah, no, I just thought the way that they introduced that was this um, this. Cheesy, but <laughs> cheesy. Convenient. But, but uh, yeah, convenience there for yeah. Just you know, but uh, I'll take your point. And actually, what I will do at this stage is I'm gonna let Dart or whoever you want to put in instead, uh, Ian, uh, let them go in because it is approaching nine o'clock. It is being okay. human time, so I'm going to slip out. Okay. Well, enjoy it and uh, listen to listen back to the rest of the show. And uh, I'm glad you could come in. And he's gone already. Wow. Okay. Uh, Willis Girl, Series 2, what do you think? Um, Series 2, I found it to be very interesting, especially uh, where the Simon character is concerned. Um, in the first series, he was very you know, quiet and shy. He kind of reminded me of the um, late lead singer of Joy Division, Ian Curtis. If, they were, if anyone ever made a, a biography about mm. Ian Curtis, I would... Say that Simon, should, the guy who plays Simon, should play him. And in the second series, yeah. um, um, he got all hero like. He reminded me of Hero from um, the TV show Hero. You know, so he got knowledgeable about comic books and all that, and where he never mentioned that in the first series. And we also find out that surprise, surprise, Simon is super hoodie. And I, I felt that uh, story arc with Simon to be very interesting and unique because he would be the last person I would have uh, suspected to um, take on kind of sort of uh, superhero-like powers in rescuing the um, the uh, characters of the show in uh, seasons one and two. So I found that, that uh, that's very interesting. And that's all I have to say. <laughs> hello? Hello, hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Um, well, I mean, everybody knows what I think. Uh, I love it. Uh, it's progressed very well, and I'm going to take this opportunity to play um, a clip 
from uh, one of my favorite parts of the series because it's just its comedic value and how actually not just comedic value but anyway uh, here's one of my favorite clips oh, Jesus stop kicking me what have I told you about dicking around with Simon who's dicking around you put your tongue in his mouth oh, Jesus alright alright so I got a little bit fresh with him I was staring into those big beautiful eyes he's like a he's like a handsome shark I couldn't help myself I love him oh you're a dick Oh, do my feelings for him offend you? Well, I'm sorry, because they're true. And pure, well, they're true. I can't pretend any longer. I won't. I never felt like this about anyone. He completes me. Uh, that's from Jerry Maguire. Yeah, I know. I watched it four times last night. It's like he's Tom and I'm Renee. Someone else is the ugly specky kid. Are you trying to tell me you're gay or something? Gay, straight, retarded, why do we have to put labels on everything? Because we do alright or else no one's going to know what the fuck's going on. Is this why me and you haven't got it together? Maybe he's what's been missing from my life. Why do you think I was always so mean to him? Because you're a wanker. No, it's because it's much easier to humiliate, degrade and just generally shit all over someone than it is to admit that you love them. Which I think says uh, a lot more about Nathan's character than, than anything else, and it's nice. And I think it's subtly just shoved in at the end there, where of course this is from uh, episode three with uh, the tattoos. Uh, basically, they could just uh, the guy would tattoo that, you know, like a love heart and put somebody's name on it, and they would love that person. Um, and uh, yeah, so of course uh, Nathan ends up completely in love with with Simon and trying to put the moves on. Ends up being very, very comedic and, and and fun, but you get those nice little bits at the end there. Um, one thing, Mike, that you you had brought up in chat was I love the way they handled uh, how to deal with Nathan's power and 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 the uh, uh, milk boy um, rather than 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 killing him. He's like, oh, you can't kill me. I'm immortal. So he makes him brain dead. Yeah, the way Nathan's ability works is that he has immortality, but he can't heal from anything unless it's something that directly kills him. So unless he's actually dying that instant, he can't recover from it. And putting him into a vegetative coma like that, he could not—he he could never heal from that. So that was definitely, as I referred to it in chat, nightmare fuel right there. Yeah, that, that was well done because you're like, oh, yeah, you can't kill him, you know. But yeah. That was that was well well done. All right. Um, well, I think we'll uh, close in on on the end of the show by discussing what was the Christmas special, which I found interesting in in, in two regards. Uh, the, the of course the selling off of their powers uh, in order to get cash, which considering what's happened to them over the past two series is understandable in a way, um, especially Alicia getting rid of you know this what she terms as a curse. Uh, but then, of course, you know, you see the the, the downside of that is, um, yes, you can sell your power and, and get paid lots of money for it, and then somebody who uh, has the money can then buy up those powers. And we learn that powers can be stacked. Uh, 
But, uh, of course, my favorite part of this is the very, very end sequence uh, where Marnie uh, gives birth to the baby. Um, and Nathan starts singing. And then they all come in around. And there's a, the, the the whole setup in the community center because they've been having a, a church thing there. And, of course, Jesus the guy has been buying up all the powers. You know, they've got a manger set up there. And uh, so there's there's Marnie. She gives birth in the manger. And and they all have this lovely little sing-song. The, the, the show just goes way into wacky land with this whole nice little moment. And then they all just realize how completely uncool that whole thing was and break away. Marnie then delivers uh, the placenta in which Nathan thinking it's an alien, stomps the crap out of it, and everybody gets covered in blood. How brilliant was that? <laughs> what did you think of the Christmas special, Darth? Oh, I mean, come on. Uh, I have watched a hell of a lot of Christmas specials in my lifetime. Uh, and especially recently, of course, British uh, Christmas specials. But this is by far the best Christmas special I've ever seen, just because on the one hand... I don't even know how to explain it exactly. It completely tears down the Christmas tradition, but in so doing, it validates the Christmas tradition. Uh, it is not a straightforward attack on religion. It is an attack on false religion. And at the same time, a validating uh, thing on true religion, on, you know, you know, honest, pure sorts of things. Um the whole business of, you know, how Marnie and 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 uh, Nathan come together was just a glorious piece of uh, writing. That that initial scene of their their attraction to each other, the fact that, you know, Nathan, who seems to be throughout other episodes, the in a way kind of Jack the Lad, in a way kind of. Um, you know, just serial monogamist in a way. Um, how he sort of instantly latches onto this girl and assumes responsibility for her child, whom she did, claims not to even know who the father is. It, it, to me, that says speaks volume about and uh, about Nathan, and in the same way that we we have throughout the rest of this series. Heroism becoming evident in um, hello, what's his name? The um, Simon. Um, that this is Nathan's moment to actually be unabashedly good. Like he just does something that it, you can't really imagine most of the other characters doing, and that is, you know, finding this woman who she is pregnant, and he says, "All right, that's cool with me." Uh, not only am I going to have sex with you while you are heavily pregnant, and that's how our relationship <laughs> is going to start, but I will sell my power, I will sell my immortality for you, get a terrible price for it, and give you all the money. I just found him to be incredibly likable in this episode. Um, you know, the whole Gwyneth Keyworth thing, you know, I've talked about her before, love her acting, they make a great combination. I hope that you know, if we indeed have lost Nikki, and that's a very sad loss because I was really warming to that character. But if she is in fact gone, and it's very heroic that uh, on Overman's part that it, it does look like Nikki is really dead. 
you get Curtis, you know, showing tons of passion, trying to get this girl back, doing everything in his power, so that you know that he's really emotionally invested in this girl. But at the end of the day, it's just not going to happen. And I think that's a very brave thing for a science fiction show, especially one in which the characters, you know, have the ability to manipulate time, to do. To say, you know what, that person is dead, and there ain't nothing that's going to make that right again. Um, but anyway, if she's dead, then I think, you know, it leaves room, obviously, for the, the Gwyneth Keyworth character to come back and and be within, you know, all six episodes of the next series. And I would love for that to happen, because she's instantly within her first scene instantly becomes a part of the uh, the group and it's gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I found the, um, on, uh, you know, as a, as a Christmas episode, I think it was great because I think it, you know, again, it, it screws with what your um, anticipations are within a, a Christmas episode. It seems to go over the border a bit. It seems to be, somewhat blasphemous but at the end of the day really it's not really it is actually saying look there's good religion there's bad religion um and and the you know the wonderful joke that nathan has about you know if a catholic priest isn't messing with you then you must have been one of the ugly kids um you know (laughs) that whole thing you know that and you know the whole thing of uh the, the reference back to killing all of the um probation workers, you know, where he says, you know, Nathan says, we haven't killed anybody, we haven't raped anybody, and then, you know, <laughs> everyone points their hands, well, actually, yes, she raped me, and actually, we killed two of our probation officers, so, you know, that sort of thing is just, you know, lovely. Um, but, even though I think it, it works really well as a Christmas special, and it, and it does advance some things nicely um, within the ongoing plot, it's not, it's not throwaway, it's not like, you know, a Doctor Who Christmas special that can be completely excised from the uh, the run of a series, and you'll be like, "Who the hell cares?" You know, like Voyage of the Dam. Canada didn't get it for two years, and they're perfectly fine. Um, but I don't think you can just remove this one. I think it's it, it is actually quite integral and seems to be the glue between series two and series three. Um, right. But having said that, I. Th- it was unusual as an episode of Misfits. Forget about it being Christmas festival, but as an episode of Misfits because it had so much to do with superpowers. Usually Misfits isn't that super heavy about it. And I, and I kind of have a little bit of misgiving about you know this, uh, this guy who's sitting there dealing in superpowers or the notion that superpowers are so prevalent within this world that they can be you know, traded and bought and gotten rid of. Uh, I I find that a little bit, uh, in a sense, antithetical to the series. Because, yes, there were other people who were affected by the storm, but this opens up the, the door for, you know, really monster of the week stuff. And I hope that Overman pulls back from that a little bit and says, okay, yeah, we get, we had a lot to do with superpowers in this one episode, but it's Christmas. So fine. We'll go back to, you know, just sort of a little bit of superpower stuff as we go forward. Um, but yeah, just, um, a glorious thing. Really? Uh, I, I, I don't know how he did it. It, it's, um, you know, by turn serious, comic, 
a valid commentary upon religion, a valid a validation of religion. Just the one of the best experiences I've had watching a Christmas episode ever. The only way I can think to, to describe it, and of course, you know, to understand it, you have to have watched Misfits. It's the Christmas special only Misfits could do. Well, yeah, exactly. Because it, it you know, um, Doctor Who, you've got the ability where you can kind of go off on this flight of fancy and and, and do some, 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 you know, uh, stuff and. Uh, but it wouldn't be believable in, in the setting of Misfits, and they, I think they stay completely true to, to to the show while doing, you know, a Christmas special. The, the, the thing yeah. that interests me is the way it's setting up Series 3, uh, like Cybob says in the chat. Um, mm-hmm. I wonder what kind of powers the gang are going to have in Series 3. Exactly. Like a fresh start. Well, and that, and that, again, is a part of Overman's secret is, you know, he is constantly reinventing what it is that we're supposed to be interested in with this series. You know, uh, every three episodes or so, you think you've got a, a lock on what's going to happen, and then he just changes it up, which is great. Right. That's how you keep people interested. And I have to say, you know, the interesting thing, I actually sh- sadistically showed this episode to a friend of mine who had never seen Misfits, which you might think would be a bad idea because it it's kind of continuity heavy. Mm-hmm. Um and she just gobbled it up and said, you know what? This is the best series. i got to go back and look at other stuff. Um, so it actually works as a kind of introduction. Because it is a new era. You know, because we're, we're, you know, we're past the um, community service days, and it's them trying to figure out what do we do now. Um, so I think it... it it can, and I have used it as an introduction to Misfits, which is weird. Okay, moving on, Mike. Your views on the Christmas special? Yeah, basically, just going on from what Darth was saying, this was this episode hit the re, basically hit the reset button and has have everything set for a new start with uh, series one. We've got all the characters basically getting new abilities, so we'll be relearning the, you know, how the characters are in relation to their abilities and what those new abilities are. Um, I, I, as far as they could, some of them could end up with the same abilities, but I don't think Alicia can get hers, considering the fact that the guy who has her power is no longer alive. So that pretty much means her abilities not cannot be retrieved again. Uh, but as Overall, with this episode, yeah, I agree with everything that was said there. It was this was you know, this was a very entertaining episode, and uh, and I liked how it tied into the show overall, rather rather than being a its own separate standalone Christmas special, something that really has no con really doesn't have any connection with the show overall. In fact, it does. It it does have a lot to do with with the show's ongoing plot and. I can't wait to see what happens in the next series. So I don't really have anything more to add beyond that. And Willis Girl. Um, I also greatly enjoy the uh, Christmas special. Um, and like everyone else, I'm curious as to what type of uh, powers that these characters will all gain in series three. And that's all I have to say right there. It was a very, very good Christmas special. Doki. 
I mean, to, to me, it does actually, it answers one question, I guess, is why Super Hoodie, a.k.a. Simon, um, never went invisible the whole time he was uh, helping everyone out. Um, so it, it'd be curious to see whether... Power. It'd be, it'd be, yeah, it'd be curious to see whether a he gets Curtis's power, which Curtis seems to want that one back. So, but it's been given to somebody else. So who knows where that's going to go? Um, or maybe he just decides on no power uh, because future Simon didn't seem to exhibit, uh, you know, having any power. So, alrighty, I think that about wraps it up for. Us. Uh, anybody got any final thoughts on uh, the series as a whole? I have thoughts on where we're going in the series three, mm-hmm. and I, I I do hope that we get some sort of explanation. We might not, but I hope we get some sort of explanation as to why Simon uniquely could touch Alicia. I don't think that was ever really said why he had that ability. Because um, I, I think it's I think it's important to why you know it's crucial to why they got together at all. It could um, easily be the ability that he gets at this point. Like, well, it like could put sort of, in the chat. Yeah, like what I put in the chat. Maybe you get some sort of immunity from physical contact powers or something like that. Well, I mean, that makes sense for future Simon, who now is apparently dead, but it doesn't make any sense for the Simon, you know, who is in the same sort of time stream as Alicia. Like, clear, clearly you see them have sex for for the first time from Simon's perspective, and that Simon, you know, should have had the power to turn, well, did have the power to turn invisible, had his normal power. So why is that Simon able to touch Alicia. It was wasn't it only in the Christmas special where they had sex after she sold her after she sold is her it? power? Mm, I think is, so. Is it when does when does Future Simon die? Does he die in the series finale? No, no does he no, died before early on in the in like, three right? four something like that. Yeah, later on in the series. I thought I thought so they only had sex for the first time in the Christmas it special. He died. Future Simon, I believe, died. In, it was the video game guy episode. Yeah, episode four. Right. But I thought, okay, so they really. It wasn't until episode six with the the milk guy that Simon realized uh, because she lets it slip that um, he was happiest uh, picking up trash with them. Right. That's You're when right. he. Uh, that's when he cottons on to the fact that that you know she knows something about him that he never said. Okay. Okay. You're right. So for, it's only the only mystery to resolve is at what the what his power is going to be next series and how right. that power would have allowed him to touch her. Right. So he might get some sort of a imme- yeah interesting yeah some power yeah. immunity or yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm. But yeah, I just think it's—I think it's just a glorious thing that we, yeah. you know, after two series and a Christmas special, we don't know what the show is about anymore. No, <laughs> I mean, really, it's fundamentally, it on the air. yeah, I think that's just yeah. beautiful. All right, Mike. Um, closing thoughts. Thoughts of uh, series three. 
looking at the show overall, it was it the show. Yeah, as we've Tarth has been taking, it kept redefining what the, what it was, and that that's one thing. One thing that kept me interested in in watching the show is that there was always something changing. There was al- always something going on with the formula, different as the, as the, as each series went on. And given the case of the show so far, I'm looking forward to seeing what's done in series three, because of course we know the characters are getting new powers and that changes everything in and of itself. So looking I've really enjoyed the show so far and I'm really looking forward to series three. Will's girl Closing thoughts and thoughts about series three. Um really enjoyed uh season uh two. Looking forward to season three. I'm uh curious about it. Um it, it usually runs during the autumn, correct? And Doctor Who will also be coming back during the autumn. Do they will also be running on Saturday? Um, Saturday in the autumn, along with Doctor Who, or how how will that work out? <laughs> well, we don't know that Doctor Who is actually coming back in the autumn. We don't have any actual date. Yeah. Um, oh yes, they're, 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 they're splitting the season. They are splitting the season, but we, yeah. we don't have any kind of date for when. Well, actually, we don't have a date for when the first part shows, but. but um, it usually runs around Easter. It might not be. Doctor Who starts. Usually, but it might not be. Uh, it might be well before Easter. Uh, so it's it's hard to know. I mean, at this point, exactly what will happen. They will uh, unlikely, I don't think, uh, abut each other. Because it's actually... It's really more of a winter thing than it is a, a fall thing. I mean, yes, technically it comes before the first day of winter, but it's usually something that is late November. Um, and you know, to the extent that it overlaps anything in Doctor Who, it overlaps um, Sarah Jane, mm. not Doctor Who. And I, I don't, I don't really think you're going to see an October November, you know, Doctor Who thing. I think it's really going to be more like August September. Hmm. That was interesting. Yeah, we just don't know. Yeah. Mm. All righty. Well, uh, the the one thing I'm I'm kind of hoping Nikki comes back. Um, but we'll we'll see. Because I thought Nikki was kind of a it was a neat character, and uh, that kind of turned things on. See, the 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 fact that you know the, the way she got her power and the the whole lead up to her being. You know, becoming part of the group, and uh, and what Nathan did to her bed. That's uh, <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> uh, And Cybob says, uh, "What is so good about the show is its, its ability to keep you engaged. I don't drift off when I'm watching Misfits, and it's it's true. It does keep you you glued all the way through. There's no kind of like, oh, what's that over there on the floor? You you kind of get fixed in on it." But that about I, you know, it. Before we go, though, I, I will say if you've <laughs> never experienced this show live, that is when it is actually broadcast, or roughly when it's broadcast in, in the UK, you really should try to, and you should really try to. You can subscribe to all of these characters' names in um, Twitter, and they actually tweet during when the show is broadcast. And if you're if you're seeing it live, and and I would imagine that you, 
you know, people who are in the UK would have a better chance of this than people who aren't. But if you are watching it more or less live, um, you actually see conversations between the characters about what's going on on screen. And that adds to the narrative perspective. And, and you'll notice that there are moments within the show where one of the characters will be looking at their phone or doing something. And you can tell by the time codes on the, um, the, the, the Twitter releases that it's like that character is actually tweeting at that moment. It's the coolest use of social media I've ever seen. It's freaky. And if you don't believe me, just go. you can subscribe to all these characters' names, um, and you can go back and you can read their, um, their um, what you call it, their, their Twitter feeds. And like it's the, the standard format is, you know, at Kelly Misfits. So it's at the first name of the character and then Misfits, and that's the, how all the characters are. So at Nathan Misfits, whatever. Get all five of them. And um, – if you just go, go back to, and sorry. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, if you go, go to www.e4.com slash misfits, um, down on the left-hand side, uh, under Misfits Elsewhere, is all the links to all the Twitter feeds, including Super Hoodie and uh, the Misfits fan page. Uh, so, yeah, you can find all the links there mm-hmm. to, to, to all the Twitter feeds. Yeah, and then there's Scream. Kelly's is totally a screen to read because uh, it's you know done in her particular sort of chav accent and uh it's <laughs> hilarious but but then she'll have conversations with um uh you know nathan there's this whole passage that happened i think i think it was episode five maybe episode six of last season or whatever where suddenly they just start chatting back it's you know around that time where they were going to get together but then they didn't get together um all this stuff going back and forth, and it just adds so much to the experience. And it uses, I just love the use of Twitter as a narrative device. It's really, really cool. So, anyway. Awesome. All right, that about wraps it up for us here. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed our, our look at Misfits. Uh, if uh, you haven't really watched it or you've caught the occasional episode, I hope this uh, enables you to go back and uh, catch up on everything. And, uh, Hopefully, uh, in the next uh, year or so, we'll uh, do another show and uh, catch up with what's going on. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, Rick Wall has joined us on audio and has a little bit of uh, personal news. Hello, Rick Wall. Hello, Ian. How are you? Good. Thank you, sir. You have some news. Oh, yes. Um, I, I've mentioned Harrow House before a few times here. Uh, I'm putting it up on something called kickstarter.com to get some money for uh, so I can pay the artist and uh, get it duplicated and finally get it out. Um, um, so I just wanted to uh, to say that. Would you quick uh, give a, a, a brief synopsis of uh, Harrow House? Yes, yeah, sure. Harrow House is a... Uh, a direct-to-DVD, at least right now, um, 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 show that I've made. Uh, it's low budget. Uh, it's in the horror genre, and we have two half-hour episodes in the can, as we say. And uh, the artwork for the DVD cover is going to be done by Ken Kelly. 
And uh, that's about. And I'm going to be selling it online and uh, at conventions, and that's about it. <laughs> and some links to where people can uh, find out more about it, and also uh, the link to um, to where you're doing your little fundraiser. Okay, hold on. I'll get uh, the uh, um, YouTube uh, link and um, my link for uh, talk show here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> no pressure at all. No, not at yeah, all. Yeah, really. <laughs> Gee, thanks, guys. Uh, well, I'm sure. I, I'm sure on uh, on on YouTube you can actually uh, put in Harrow House and uh, be able to find yeah, Harrow House there. Echoes of the Future, okay. and. Um, um, talk to you. It's Harrow House. Um, the ID number is. Let me get back to talk to you. <laughs> uh, the ID number here in talk to you is. And why don't I have this memorized? Because I'm an idiot. That's what. No. Uh, 74130. For one three zero, yes. All right. Well, good luck with that. Um, and uh, while we're closing up the show, if you want to put those links into the chat so that people can retrieve them with the chat retrieve chat retriever, uh, yeah, text chat retriever, yeah, that works. All right. There's nothing more to say. I'm sure than uh, to say goodbye from all of us here. It's goodbye from Mr. Darth Skeptical. Goodbye, sir. It's goodbye from Mr. Randall Thor. Sayonara, gozaimasu. See you next time, everyone. <laughs> it's goodbye from Rick Wall. Goodbye for now. Till next time. It's goodbye from Will's Girl. Adios, amigos. And last but not least, it's Cybob sitting there resident in the text chat and thanks to all of those who have come on uh, Scardis and uh, to Jury who were here at the beginning and had to disappear off to watch Being Human uh, hopefully I uh, did an alright job considering the fact that uh, I was without Dave today but he shall be back next week as shall we all so it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him goodbye everybody Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.